Hello, employees of Dunder Mifflin, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am your host, Gurleen Sangi, and the controversial topic we will be covering today is cultural appropriation and the negative impacts it has on minorities. You appreciate it, you know? Like if you like, yeah, it depends yeah. on when it's used. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I just think that you shouldn't be making fun of it or doing it to um, offend somebody else. Like you should really believe in the culture and study it and know what it's about. Media, you see different people doing different things. So I know the Kardashians, they had a big old thing with like the braiding hair and what they've done to their bodies and stuff like that. It's a real thing. I think the people who do it just choose not to acknowledge it. Cultural appropriation is a term that has been thrown around a lot in the media in recent years. But what exactly is it? The dictionary defines it as the unacknowledged or inappropriate adoption of elements, customs, or practices of one culture by members of another and typically more dominant culture. But of course, cultural appropriation can mean many things depending on who you ask. People often mistake cultural appropriation with cultural appreciation. Cultural appreciation is familiarizing yourself with someone's culture in effort to understand it. I got a question from one of my viewers. She asked, I got a kimono style dress from Fashion Nova so I can familiarize myself with Japanese culture. Can this be considered cultural appropriation? Well, unfortunately, yes it can. Because unless you are welcomed by the Japanese community to wear a kimono, have, one of your re- have done research to understand the importance of wearing a kimono, and wear it in an appropriate setting, your attempt at appreciating Japanese culture may come across as appropriating Japanese culture. A key word to spot the difference between cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation is inclusion. For example, say your Indian friend Kelly Kapoor invites you to her family's Diwali celebration. The dress code is of course traditional Indian attire. Now, if you choose to follow this dress code, is it considered cultural appropriation? The answer is no because you have been welcomed to the, inve- to the event by Kelly and therefore are welcome to follow the dress code. You are not profiting off of your appearance. Instead, you are celebrating an Indian holiday with Indian people. This can be both a learning experience for you and a really fun way to spend your Saturday night. See where inclusion comes into play? Another argument raised is reverse cultural appropriation. When people of color adopt elements from European culture, are they not guilty of cultural appropriation? The answer, no, because this simply does not exist. Again, I will refer back to the dictionary definition that clearly states cultural appropriation is typically perpetrated by a more dominant culture. The term you are looking for is cultural imperialism. Cultural imperialism is taking the culture of the ruling class and establishing it as the norm. The clear difference between the two concepts is profit and choice. People of color living in a European-influenced society don't really have much of a choice but to assimilate to European culture and definitely don't profit from it. The question now is who? Who is guilty of cultural appropriation? Is it any one person, group, or organization? The answer is yes and no. Cultural appropriation is most damaging when it is perpetrated by people or organizations in position of power and influence. 
for example, sports teams, celebrities, and of course, a big one, the fashion industry. The fashion industry, specifically high fashion, has a problematic history of cultural appropriation. The problem with cultural appropriation in the fashion industry is that it is cultural appropriation on a grand scale. The fashion industry, as any other industry, has a great influence over its consumers. What increases the issue is that when fashion companies create and sell items that appropriate a culture, they are not only contributing to cultural appropriation themselves, but they are encouraging others to do the same. The same way you need to cite your references in a research paper to avoid plagiarism, the fashion industry needs to reference the original context in some way or another to avoid cultural appropriation. And what better way to do that than through the use of models? I'm sure many of you have heard of the brand Dior. Dior is a high-end fashion company which has many allegations of cultural appropriation in the past. I'm going to share one specific story from 2019 when Dior chose Jennifer Lawrence, a white woman, to represent them in a campaign honoring Mexican heritage inspired by Escaramuzas, who are empowered and highly skilled Mexican horsewomen. majority of the models in the show were white women, with only one of them being a Mexican woman. I mean, why not use people from the culture you are inspired by to represent you? Sadly, it is clear in the capitalist world that we live in, the fashion industry's goal isn't to honor culture and uplift people, but to make a profit. Why do the companies even bother using elements from a culture if they are unable to honor and appreciate the people from that culture? When fashion companies use white models to represent elements from a minority culture or person of color, they are feeding into the concept of colorism and the notion that whiteness and Eurocentric features are how we as a society define beauty. Meaning that a person of color is expected to assimilate to European culture in order to fit society's beauty standards, whereas a white person can adopt any culture they please and make it seem appealing due to the fact that beauty in our society is often associated with whiteness. And now I'd like to introduce you to an expert in the field of language and culture, NDSS's very own Miss Audrey Yap. Unfortunately, due to COVID-19 and social distancing limitations, Miss Yap is unable to be here with us today, but she has agreed to have a sales rep voice her answers for our interview. So Miss Yap, in your opinion, what is the difference between cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation? Uh, the difference is using parts of other cultures out of context and often for one's own benefit. So like talking with like little respect versus a desire to learn about and understand a culture. How has culture appropriation impacted you as a language teacher? Um, I, ha- I have had to explore ways of teaching language and like culture authentically and respectfully. So like avoiding cliches and stereotypes. Why is it important to learn about and celebrate diverse cultures around the world? It can help to dispel um, ignorance about different groups, and it often makes us more open and flexible and tolerant of different ways of being. What is your advice to people who are trying to navigate the sometimes blurred lines between cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation? Take cues from the groups you're trying to learn about and leave behind assumptions and teach others about your own heritage and culture. All right, perfect. Thanks so much, Ms. Yap. Yep, no problem. And now a word from our sponsor.
because when push comes to shove, we all deserve a second chance. Dunder Mifflin, limitless paper in a paperless world. In contrast to colorism, we have blackfishing. Blackfishing is a social media trend where non-black people, typically white, change their features to appear black or racially ambiguous. The reason for this is beauty standards are constantly changing, and currently they have switched to what some would call an exotic look. Features that black women were ridiculed for are now considered beautiful when impersonated by a non-black person. This is another form of cultural appropriation. Blackfishing is often compared to blackface, which is a term used to describe white actors who would paint their face in order to mimic black people in an extremely offensive way. This was a common tactic used in the Jim Crow era to dehumanize and further segregate black people. The use of this tactic dates all the way back to the 1830s when a white entertainer named Thomas Dartmouth Rice invented a character based off of a slave called Jim Crow. Rice would darken his skin, act like a buffoon, and speak in an over-exaggerated version of African-American vernacular English. He performed songs such as Jump Jim Crow, and would depict sickening caricatures of black people. Rice was very popular in his time, touring both the United States and England. His success resulted in Jim Crow becoming a common stage persona for white comedians portraying African Americans. And eventually the Jim Crow laws were named after this disgusting caricature. Spot the similarities? Both situations involve non-black people profiting from changing their appearances to appear more black. And in both situations, black people are ridiculed for being themselves. It is clear that being exotic or dark-skinned is only praised when it's on non-black people. On the surface, cultural appropriation may just look like borrowing elements from another culture to diversify your self-expression. But it is so much more than that. As I have clearly discussed today, cultural appropriation has a very bloody, horrific history. There is a difference between borrowing and stealing. When you borrow something from someone, you ask them for permission, and you acknowledge them as the rightful owners of the item you were borrowing. Cultural appropriation is a form of stealing. But it's not as, sim but it's not as simple as stealing post-it notes from your company. Cultural appropriation makes a spectacle out of an entire culture through misrepresentation. This is incredibly damaging because you are objectifying people and claiming their features as if they were merely a costume. As we have discussed, cultural appropriation has a very horrific past, which is why we must focus on cultural appreciation rather than appropriation to better our future. If you have to ask yourself, is this cultural appropriation? then just don't do it. It is very important for us to learn about different cultures in order to educate ourselves. After all, knowledge is power, but also to get rid of any subconscious or conscious stereotypes we may have about different cultures and people around the world. But we must do so in a respectful manner, like consulting with people from the culture you are attempting to gain knowledge on. 
doing your research and learning the history of the culture you are familiarizing yourself with in order to avoid repeating the mistakes made in the past. Recognize the people from the culture you are choosing to honor or participate in. And last but certainly not least, educate others so they can avoid contributing to cultural appropriation and battle their own ignorance when it comes to diverse cultures around the world. That's all for today. Thanks so much for listening. And stay tuned for our next episode. We will be covering... The opioid crisis and overwhelmingly high rates of homelessness in Vancouver. Stay tuned.